This is the Energizing India podcast. Welcome to the Energizing India podcast, a program that focuses on electric mobility in India, building a voice for the industry sector. My name is Ravin Mershandani, and on this program, we focus on conversations with key industry protagonists and opinion leaders on what needs to happen to break the malice within the industry and create faster adoption for electric mobility in India. We've so far talked to regulators, grid operators, charge point operators, and a few OEMs. And today we go back to the OEM sector and speak to none other than Uday Narang, Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Omega Seiki Mobility. Uday is nurturing this company to become the Tesla of the East when it comes to cargo vehicles. Uday, welcome to the program. Thank you, Ravin. It's great to be here. Beautiful campus you've got here. Um, I'm really excited to be here and some of the products that you're doing and some of the great work that you and your teams have been doing here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm interested that you were born in New Delhi. Uh, you did an MBA in finance from the Stony Brook University. You stayed in New York. You were a hedge fund manager. Uh, you made a big difference to the sectors that you were in, including freight, cargo, finance. Uh, and then all of a sudden you decided you want to come back to India and create Omega Seiki Mobility in 2018. What gives? Look, I think, you know, in my journeys across the globe, uh, spending 30 plus years outside of India, I left India when I was very young. Um, you know, success came. I was lucky enough. I was fortunate enough at an early age. But what really made me come back? Um, you know, I was always India at heart. Uh, I think maybe similar to you, Ravin, you know, you've been traveling the globe and then you've been back here. So I think what really drove me towards this was green energy and sustainability. Uh, 20, 21 most polluted cities in the world are in our country. Um, you know, the future generations, your kids and the kids' kids. This is something that is going to impact our country. We've talked about building a five trillion economy, but if our future generations are unwell, if we have the pollution that we have today, and if this continues, we are destroying Mother Earth. So for me, uh, green energy and sustainability was the calling. You know, I've had enough of Wall Street, I've had enough of success. I gotta go back, and I gotta go back to India, ASEAN, Africa, and make a difference. So one of the problems most entrepreneurs who've been overseas uh, have when they come back is you know, the mindset is very different in India. We have a very different operating environment. The business uh, environment is incredibly complex. What, what are the sorts of challenges you faced and how did you overcome them um, as, a, as a global leader coming to India to do business here? Absolutely. That's such a great question, Ravin. Um, India is one of the most toughest, toughest places I have worked mm -hmm. In Latin America, uh, in because I was a, a very significant hedge fund manager. I have worked in Africa in the oil. India is an extremely, extremely tough market um, with regards to you know the business side of things, in terms of financing, in terms of people skills. A lot has changed in the last with this newer generation that we have. There's so many new young people that you have in your team, similar to what we are doing at OSM. Um, there were challenges on the government side. There were challenges on the regulatory sides. Um, but I think, you know, what has changed me is that in India, don't complain. If you want to work in India, don't complain. Accept, accept for what it is. Figure out ways to work in that environment. If you're going to constantly complain, then I don't think you want to be here. I've learned to be patient. Um, it doesn't look like it when people meet me, I'm patient. But it is something that... You know, um, for me, being looking beyond the noise, 
and working towards solutions. I have met you today, and I think this is something that I've been, I've been working on looking for the charging side. So for me, every day in this ecosystem, there are people like yourself, there are your teams that are working on, and that gives me energy. Any problem, we'll deal with that. That's my attitude. It's a great attitude. In fact, it, I was struck, uh, Sunil and me were in uh, Europe for a three-week uh, recce program, and on the way back, uh, I was struck how we went to the richest countries in the world, uh, for example, Germany. Everybody has a lot of money, but we were struck by the fact that nobody was happy. And uh, coming out at Delhi airport, you feel this buzz and this energy, everything is open, everything is easy, uh, much easier than Europe, mind you, whether it's immigration, baggage, uh, getting out and checking in for your next flight. Uh, but what you feel that hits you is an energy of hope. Uh, hope is what you feel in India. And um, that's something that's so different from the rest of the world. And in many ways encapsulates what you just said. It's an incredibly difficult country, but it has this great hope and promise of the future. And you've got to focus on that rather than the difficulties. India was always a difficult country. I was reading a, a book that had letters from the East India Company sailors back in 1600 to family. And one of the repeated themes was such a difficult country. The customs regulations change. Every time we turn up, we were ready for something else. They're charging us something else. And it almost seemed like reading the letters from somebody today uh, dealing with India. It's, it, it hasn't changed. Um, so I'm interested, you talked about uh, clean mobility, you talked about cleaning India's air. What is the specific problem that you are addressing at Omega Circuit Mobility? Sure. For us, working on vehicles, working on technology, working with partners that can bring more safe. For me, the first point about vehicles today is safety. In our country, most of the vehicles in the electric field prior to the last couple of years with the likes of Aether and many other good companies that are out there is that safety was never looked at. One life lost is way too many. For me, working on safety, working on emissions, working on quality, working on products that can reduce emissions, that can prevent the dependence on foreign oil that leads to more emissions. So I, I wanted actually deep dive on two elements of this awesome answer that you've given. The first is safety and the second is finance. Safety. Um, you are the only OEM so far that has mentioned that as being important. I want your opinion on New Delhi. There's over one million electric rickshaws that are applying around the city today. All of them cheap Chinese imports are assembled. The passengers are sitting on the most unsafe batteries and yet everybody is oblivious to the fact that this is the most unsafe environment created in the capital city of the world's third largest economy. How can we address that? Ravin, this is so personal to me. That's not, not only Delhi, but UP, you look at Madhya Pradesh. Um, you know, when I look at, uh, and I'm an, I'm an, I was an analyst at Wall Street and I analyze everything and I'm a data. Data never lies, um, you know, as long as the data is looked at properly. Um, if you look at all the electric vehicles, and if you look at the top five or six electric vehicle producers, there are three e-rickshaw e players that nobody's heard of. And they are importing kits from China or whatever. And I'm, this, is not a, this is not China bashing. If you are going to buy products which are as an OEM that are defective, then that is wrong, in my view, as OEMs. For what we want to do, and we are, again, OSM is about finding solutions. I think all of those vehicles are time bombs. Those Absolutely. batteries, yeah. those powertrains, that safety. It's very sad that the, that, the, that the state and the central government is allowing illegal vehicles. Now, it's not just happening here. I was just in Bangladesh. I met senior management. There was the same problem there. But I am going to talk about India. We talk about electrification, safety, 
has to be number one. And as I said earlier, one life lost is too many. We've had multiple players. They have raised billions and they are saying it's the customer's fault. No, there's not been enough testing. The battery cells are not good. I am not saying we as an industry, this is extremely important. We owe responsibility as OEMs to the public at large. Those e-rickshaws have to go off the road. There has to be laws. There has to be regulations. In the L5 category, you're talking about the L3 category. The L5 category have to get approvals from ICAT, ARAI. There are certain restrictions. In the L3, they are saying they have it, but they are not checking. If you look, I spend time looking at the batteries. Those lead acid batteries and those batteries being used are criminal. I will say it is a criminal offense. We should make laws in this country where anybody responsible finding putting wrong batteries and putting our customers' lives is going to be in India, the only way things work is put strong laws that penalize. And I think that needs to be changed. I love the passion that you're bringing out. That's sure. uh, absolutely brilliant. We did a podcast a story on e-rickshaws in Delhi. And the fact is they make 200 rupees a day net of all of their uh, costs and expenses. So, you know, you, you cannot expect a rickshaw driver to make a, a choice other than an L1 economic choice. This is the economic choice available to them. Therefore, it's an unsafe rickshaw where the battery pack is unsafe. The passengers are sitting on the battery pack. And it's also incredibly uncomfortable. Their center of gravity is very high. Um, but what we also got to the bottom of during those discussions with rickshaw drivers was that the reason these rickshaws are on the road is because the people who own the fleets are politicians and policemen. Um, and therefore, there is a vested interest to keep continue with this. Um, so in that, there is some of the... Um, roadblocks that you would get in a growing economy uh, a, you know a developing economy like india would be no different in say bangladesh or some of the others um i'm hoping that eventually as a as a polity we address this uh, where there's no vested interest that compromises safety the second element that impacts the same rickshaw drivers and also everybody else wanting to buy an electric vehicle is finance now finance is available from pe funds for startup ideas who are getting 10 million 20 million like that on something that's unproven fantastic great but the average consumer that wants to buy a rickshaw or to buy a electric truck electric car uh we, we tried to get a, a car loan for a hyundai kona it took four months for the bank to get its head around how to how to do this how do we address this very very important points Ravin. you you've touched on this is the biggest issue i will tell you today i have over 50,000 vehicle demand. There was a problem with financing. What did I do? I got up and built Anglian Finlist, which started financing vehicles in electric with warranties in rates per rapid. We're giving six-year warranty on the vehicle, six-year warranty on the battery, and a buyback on the battery. We want to make sure that we create that opportunity. The NBFCs, you're right, are getting involved. What I want to reach out to is the nationalized banks. I know uh, just recently, JK, JNK last week, bank did something in retail. But I will tell you, the banks are talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk. This is needs to be done. I would reach out to um, the highest leadership. I am so excited to see, uh, you know, I'm apolitical, but I see Nitin Gadkariji and I see the, the, the different state level. They're talking about EV policy, but without financing, this is a poor country. If you have a problem in Kona for four months, then God bless anybody else, right? So the point is, I found a solution. I am reaching out to the World Bank. I am reaching out to IFC. I am reaching out to every organization, to ADB, to work on financing. I am willing to provide guarantees and warranties on my vehicles to be able to give them confidence. 
IC game is over. Anybody financing IC engines today, be careful. Be careful what your resale value will be. You go and walk today into buying an IC engine, you'll get it tomorrow. They'll be ready to give you the vehicle. I would say taking no risk is the biggest risk of all. I'm working on a fund where I will put my own money and I will take partners in where we will set up a fund for vehicle agnostic. It's not just going to be OSM. And I'm having these conversations at the highest level in many, many organizations. The World Bank and IFC work very slow. We've been working for them for quite some time, but this will take time. But I am going to put my own money to work. I am reaching out to partners. What I would really, really, really request is the state banks should get involved. The private banks also need to be involved. This will change the face of mobility. I love it. Excellent. Mm -hmm. um, you made a very important comment. You talked about Bharat versus India. You talked about the billion people that live in rural India. Um, that India typically rewards the cheapest it, because it has no choice, as we were talking about, but to buy the cheapest because the economies are such right? you cannot afford anything else, particularly if there's no financing. Yet you are building the Tesla of the East for cargo. Um, there is a dichotomy there, would they? Um, and I want to kind of probe that. Uh, how do you address that dichotomy? Because they do not reward value and technology. They reward the, the cheapest, which will always be Chinese because they make the, 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 the cheapest cookie cutters in the world. Um, is this why uh, Omega Seki Mobility is born global? And is this why you're already looking at exporting, already exporting, in fact? Or is there, is there a two-pronged strategy there that runs parallel? Very good question. There's a two-pronged. And when I say I want to build Tesla of the cargo, because people look up to Elon. I look up to Elon. I think, you know, uh, there was somebody who said, I don't welcome Elon. I welcome Elon. I welcome anybody who is a global leader in electrification. I welcome anybody that is going to make my India better. The reason I talk about Tesla Beast is that technology in terms of products. Because high, tech, high quality and volume you know, when you initially make a product, you also said that when you build probably charging stations, initially the cost was high, but when the volume comes in, you reduce the price. So what I'm saying is we will use that Tesla mentality that we will break, we will be able to be bold, we will come up with products, different horses for different courses. So what I want to say is I will have a two-pronged approach. I will have an approach for India where high technology doesn't always mean high cost. It means how do I effectively manage the problem there is higher volumes okay because if I can have volumes the other idea is how do I vehicles as a service in today's world of fintech in today's world of financing we've got to come out with new products that can do that so for me I'm running a marathon not a sprint um, this will take a lot of pain this will take a long term um, but I think uh, you know for me uh, and, and, and I'm so excited to see even today when we had our conversations earlier, you are taking a long-term view. But what I want to tell you, India is something that I am committed to. The global business is started in a much, much bigger way because of our alliances in, in Korea, in Japan, in Europe, and in the United States. But I think the products have to be made according to a localized way. So think, I'm going to take this from Microsoft, think global, act local. And we have to act local. So, um, Elon, you, you know, you talked about how uh, you're inspired by him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have to say we're inspired by your vision and, and your passion and energy. Um, yet a lot of people don't like Elon because he kind of turned the industry upside down. 
he challenged the status quo. It took 10 years for the industry to actually wake up and go, hang on a minute, this is real. And then everybody woke up and they've retrofitted ICE cars for, for uh, electric vehicles. How has the industry in India accepted you? What has been your journey uh, to being the man who's been bringing dissonance and turning it upside down? You know, my mother says, I, she said, aren't you tired? Uh, it's been four years, uh, seven days a week and 20. What's driving you this? Um, a guy who runs my uh, uh, research business, I was in Bangalore in a car with him the day before yesterday. He said, sir, you have the money. Why are you doing this? And I'll tell you, uh, you know, nothing is going to change me. Um, four years ago, a lot of the bigwigs of this country didn't take me seriously. And I could see, um, you know, I might not be a, a technology uh, PhD, but I know people. I've spent enough time in different countries globally. Maybe The point was, I could see people not take me seriously. But I have learned one thing. If you believe in something, and I want to tell all of your, you know, all the people that work with you, all of your viewers, never give up. Okay? I, have, I am a very big fan also of uh, Muhammad Ali. God, Lord, you know, God bless his soul. He said one thing. If they knock you down, come back up. A very learned man of the industry, day before yesterday at dinner, said to me, people are, people know OSM, but they're also wary of OSM. So my point is that it's not about OSM for me. My journey is about helping my future generations. So let's talk about your funding journey, Uday. Uh, are you, is uh, OSM self-funded? Are you looking eventually to list? What are, you, what are your own aspirations? <laughs> A very, very, very good question. Up to now, Every single dollar has been my money. Like yourself, um, you know, I, you know, I was a hedge fund manager and was a, in, a, in the hedge fund world. It's a two and twenty model. You you get two percent fees and twenty percent profits with no risk. I put my money where my mouth is, and I felt, let me build OSM. I'm opening up a factory tomorrow in Pune. We're going to open up Chennai. We're working up globally. I have put. I have not raised a single dollar till today. Now, I will tell you that the growth and the aspirations, there is the scale that I'm talking about, it requires R&D centers, um, you know, investments, people. Uh, you know, I have open list of over 300 people right now, and this is gonna continue to be high. But I'm saying that at certain level, I will. I will only take strategic partners. I don't want fast money. Uh, fast money is good. I'm not gonna say there's a lot of young people that get a million, two million, five million, and that five turns to 20, and that's great. But I will only work with strategic partners that have a long-term vision. I am not here to sell OSM and live on a beach in Marbella or on the uh, shores of Dubai. I want to be here. For me, if I lose everything, I'll still come back. So for my vision is we will do an IPO, uh, you know, maybe uh, end of 23, early 24. Um, is it know, an Indian IPO or is it an overseas? I, it depends. It depends because we're discussing multiple levels. But I am focusing right now of building better products. I am, I'm a disruptor. I'm gonna make everybody's life miserable, right? That's that's definitely gonna be there, right? I'm gonna make R&D centers that are 10 times bigger than me, right? I want all of you, and you know why? Not because I wanna make your life miserable, because I want you to come up with a better product. And if you come up with a better product than me, that's better for the ecosystem. That's a lower cost, there's more efficiency. So see, it's very, I'm, I'm, a, I'm very complicated this way. In the sense is, if the ecosystem wins, I win. 
So talking about making people's life miserable, um, the last question we ask is a, is the same question we ask to all the talent that comes to our podcast. And I apologize for the frivolous nature of this question, but it brings out a very pointed answer always. Uh, and the question is this, uh, Uday, if you had the opportunity to be the Prime Minister of India for one day, just one day, and you could make any decision you wanted to facilitate faster adoption of electric mobility in India, what would that decision be? That's a great question, and I um, I won't even flinch about it. I, I got it in my mind right here. Um, I would make sure that we kick the behinds. I'm being very, very kick the behinds of the chairmen of all the state banks and say, look at this. Find me a solution of financing, and I'm going to say as an OEM, I'll give you the answers. Financing, financing, financing. If we don't fix financing. EV story. You can build PLI schemes. You can give me all of this razzmatazz of you know billion-dollar factories, super factories. जब तक product हमारे सवा सौ करोड़ भाई बहन afford ही नहीं कर सकेंगे, जब उनके पास पैसे ही नहीं होंगे, तो who will buy that? So again, I'm not. मैं I'll say in Hindi. मैं बुद्धे की बात पे आता हूँ. Sit the financing, and you'll see the game. Great answer, Uday. I'm loving your energy. It's been amazing to have you on the show. You have a passion that you don't very often see in any industry. We were privileged to have you in the Artima studio today. Thank you so much for making the time and all the gyan that you've given us. We look forward to having you back on the show very soon. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Any time, mate. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. I'm your host for this episode, Ravin Mirchandani. But I would not be here without the amazing, energizing India podcast team. Onkar, our podcast director and the man who makes it all happen in the end, much like a big, fat, grand Indian wedding, bringing together the research, data, and attention to details, all in the timelines to get the next episode out on time. Three Vikram, our podcast co-host and head of research, and Sunil, who along with me is executive producer of our program. The Energizing India podcast is an Adore Digitron production. giving a voice to the EV industry in India. If you enjoyed listening to us today, make sure to follow us on whatever platform you are listening on, whether it's Spotify, Apple iTunes or our own portal energizingindia.tv. Thank you very much and see you on the next episode. <laughs>